in preparation for John Mark. First, Jim, thank you. Thank you for inviting me and being a part of this. this. The experience of just getting ready for tonight has been a wonderful experience because Jim sent a letter that had everything in it that I needed to know. The theme of the summer series, Walking with God. The subject of what I needed to preach on. Forget everybody else. There was ten besides yourself. I was the eleventh, right? Alright. Why did I get the hardest one out of the whole thing? John Mark. The author of the gospel of the book of Mark. He never speaks of himself. He speaks of a risen Savior. A living Savior. A working Savior. A Savior who serves. Who loves man who has done it all for all of us so that we could be here even today. But John Mark's story is, is impeccable once you really look at it. There's so much left that's unsaid that we'll never have answers to, and we're going to look at that. I took out all seven or eight verses, because that's all there is on John Mark. I took out everything the, in eight places in the Bible briefly speak on John Mark. Four books of the New Testament mention Mark's name only once, and it's done three times by the same person. The Apostle Paul, and then right before that, Peter. Four times Mark's name is mentioned in the book of Acts by Paul and Barnabas. John Mark, being the author of the Gospel of Mark, never spoke of himself. We find so much of what we have in here to be able to take from. How do we understand who this person is in John Mark? We go to every scripture. We break it down. We tear it apart. And we see what's in there so that we're able to walk away with something great. Walking with God. How do you pull it out of this? John Mark is someone to have seemed to have failed in one way or another. Someone who may have had overwhelming obstacles in life, but yet was still able to overcome and be fruitful. I looked at all of this and I came up with walking with God, John Mark, from failure to fruitful. And I would love for my life to be defined like this by the same way what John Mark had done. The same way of what everything that we have of John Mark I would love for the same things to be said of me when I depart from this earth. Eight verses of Scripture, not much. We first meet John Mark in the book of Acts in chapter 12. John Mark was closely related with serving and walking with and walking with God with Peter. Everything of what we believe that we can see and contain in the Gospel of Mark is believed to be inspired by Peter. Here, in Acts 12, Peter had been arrested by King Herod for preaching and teaching Jesus Christ, him crucified, resurrected, and that salvation can be found by nowhere else except for Jesus Christ alone. Finds himself imprisoned. Peter now, being in chains, surrounded by guards, had been miraculously released during the night by angels sent from God. A miracle 
to open John Mark. A passage of Scripture of what we need to be able to see and to understand who Mark is by the relationships that he had with certain people. Peter's first move after his release is found in Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask for you to turn to the book of Acts, starting in chapter 12, and we're just going to continue to go forward into the story from there. So Acts chapter 12, and in verse 12, we see this. And when he, meaning Peter, realized this, that he was now freed, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. This is the opening story of John Mark. This is what we have to, to start us off to learn who he was. There's many things that are actually found here. We have to look at that look at the John Mark started out with what seems to be the full support of his family. A family of Christian believers. A lot of ingredients were placed for John Mark. His family supported him and provided him a solid Christian background. For Peter to be released from prison and the first place that he decides to go is to Mary's house, whose son is John Mark. It's no coincidence. When we look at this and we take it further, there's some things that we, have, we can surmise by the book of Acts. We can determine that John Mark's mother's house was a Christian home. Spacious. Large enough to accommodate Christian gatherings, prayer meetings, opening the Word of God, having church in the home. We can see that John Mark's mother's house, Mary, was one that welcomed Christians in. It was the safe haven, a place where any Christian could come and not only feel loved, but feel safe, feel protected, be surrounded by other Christians, leaders of this new church. In the early church, with looking at this, we have to gather and understand how many vicious attacks were happening time and time again, not only on Christians for preaching the name of God, preaching the name of Jesus Christ, but also that the churches were being attacked because people didn't want them. They would do anything, vicious attacks upon the church to destroy them and to get rid of them. When we go in this, there's things that, that we see. For, so for John Mark, we can understand that he had parents who must have studied the scriptures and obeyed teachings, teachings like this first one. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. Most of us know this passage of Scripture. You might say, Dan, well, why are you going there? Let's read it again. Say it with me. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. John Mark's mother, Mary, must have been a courageous, committed woman to the Christian movement. As the weeks and as the months went by, it became more and more dangerous to even be called a Christian, to be recognized as a Christian. 
but to open up your home as a gathering place to pray, to worship. It was scary. Commitment. There had been numerous attacks on the Christian church. Commitment. People then didn't like the Christians. Commitment. We can tell here that certainly that Mary's house that John grew up in was a home where the words, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, rang out. How many of our homes are like that today? How many of us come to church and, and we play the part, we come in and we sit, we worship, we sing the songs, we open the Bible, we take it in. And then go home and anything goes. There's a world out there that lives like this and they need the truth that can be found in Jesus Christ. They need the changing of what can only be found in Jesus Christ. They need the anointing to be found within the homes, not just the church. When we see this, we know that John Mark's mother ran a deeply devoted home to the Christian cause. And besides that, John's, John Mark's cousin, Barnabas, was a leader in the church. Peter was also involved in John Mark's life very, very closely. He grew up, John Mark grew up being surrounded by the best Christian influences that there could possibly be. So you're looking at all of this unfolding in the making of John Mark coming from a family who's not ashamed of the gospel, who's not ashamed to be called Christian, who's not scared of what man could do to them. That's who John Mark was as growing up. And it's no surprise that despite his youth, what we find happens in Acts chapter 12 and verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and when they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. So we see a young man that grew up in a good, solid Christian home, surrounded by the best possible influences that there could ever be. Great Christian leaders for the early church. And they decide, they make a decision. We're taking John Mark with us. John Mark being deeply tied to the founders of the Christian movement and joined this great godly team by personal invitation. It wasn't someone that said, ooh, ooh, I want to go. I'm sure they went to John Mark and said, hey, we want you to come with us. It's dangerous. It's going to be scary. We don't know what we may encounter. People will throw us out of their towns, out of their cities. They may beat on us. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to forsake everything and come with us on this trip? The story continues. We're told that Barnabas and Paul were sent out on a missionary trip and took John Mark along with them as their assistant. But yet, when we hit chapter 13, 
Somewhere deep into this mission trip, there's a problem. A serious problem. Because the next phrase, the next verse of Scripture, the next passage that has John Mark's name says this, Acts 13, 13. It tells us this. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Look at that passage. Look at that verse. This is the only information that we have that tells us John Mark left the mission field. Something obviously went wrong because as you get deeper into the story, you see where emotions and feelings and and words become really strong and even vile. But at some point during their mission trip, a serious problem arose. Something happened along the way that John Mark made a decision to leave from the mission field and to return home. John Mark's every exposure of everything leading up to this part of his life had been polished with greatness surrounding him, bringing him into this ministry, doing the work that he was called to do. But here at this moment, for John Mark, there appears to be what is seen as failure. Disappointment. John Mark just quit. He went home with no explanation given. Barnabas may have tried to smooth things over and to excuse the action, but Paul, for Paul it was complete desertion. It was abandonment. It was treason. That's the way Paul looked at it. And that there was no excuse, no excuse that could be given on why John Mark left. Had John Mark just given up on his commitment? That's a question that we need to ask. We don't have an answer here. What had gone so wrong that John Mark bailed? Was he feeling like he was being taken advantage of? Feeling overwhelmed? Was he being asked to do more than he felt that he should be doing as an assistant? He could have felt like he wasn't equal to Paul and Barnabas. Felt unappreciated. Nowhere in the scriptures is the heart of the problem revealed about why John Mark left and he went home. We can only speculate about what may have happened. But it must have been pretty bad causing him to abandon his mentors. Because that's exactly who they were to him. People that he loved. People that he grew up around and grew up with. Blood. We don't have any biblically supporting answer other than John Mark deserted the trip and Paul didn't like it one bit. Only John Mark knew knew why he left them. The scripture tells us this. Out of everything of what you heard of who John Mark was and now what had actually happened, train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is older, he will not depart from it. Are we doing that in our homes? Are we raising our children that way? Are we giving them what they need to be trained up in the way that they should go? Or are we expecting the church to do it all? Parents, as you raise your children, 
Surround them with every positive influence that you possibly can. But don't be surprised when, not if, they decide to make decisions that might be contrary to everything that you've taught them. Everything that you've instilled into them. It's going to happen. Give your child every advantage that you can. I don't mean materialistic things. I'm not talking about clothes, money, cars, of all these things. What we need as parents to be doing is to give our children everything spiritually and emotionally to be able to make it through this world. We need to be able to look at it and give them, give our children love. Give him or her the godly atmosphere of prayer and the Word of God. Provide exposure to the great spiritual minds that are available to us as parents, to them from within the church. But at the same time, don't be surprised if and when the day comes when he or she will seem to desert you. Don't be shocked if he or she seems to abandon everything you've taught. Searching life out, searching out life for yourself, it's just a natural part of growing up. It's a natural, it's as natural as breathing. Mistakes will be made, but prayerfully, they'll be learned from. And that the same mistakes won't be made over and over again. Some resistance to what parents teach is just natural. It's more than natural, it's even healthy. It's positive. It's what young people have to do in order to hammer out their own values. To seek out who they are and not who their parents say that they are. It's testing the boundaries of life. To see not only how they feel, but how and where they will be accepted. So when John Mark left Barnabas and Saul... It may have seemed like failure, and it may have seemed like he let go of everything that was ever instilled in him in his upbringing. Then on the other side, it may not. It may have been an honest struggling and conflict of fear and doubt. Every young person goes through this. If we're honest with ourselves, each and every one of us has been through it. Amen? We test the boundaries even as parents, we test the waters before we get in. We test life as, as it comes and make a decision. Is this good for me or is it not? Can I have this? What effect will it have on me? Will it be good? Will it be bad? Will I enjoy this? Is it not scriptural? Is it against what the Word of God says? And hopefully and prayerfully, we will learn from our mistakes. Amen? See, it's not just the young people. John Mark was a young man going through life in the same respect that each and every one of us is still going through. Today, as we look at this, there are several things that we have to look at. One possibility is that John Mark had become sick of playing a subordinate role. Remember, he entered into this as an assistant. Maybe he just got tired of being the junior partner, of always being second banana. 
After all, they took John Mark in and he was their assistant. Today, we look at that and we say that John Mark's life was that of a gopher. You know, go for this, go for that. John Mark, go for some writing supplies. John Mark, go make arrangements for Barnabas to preach into the next town. And then John Mark, go for some food and bring it home for dinner. John Mark, clean the tent. We don't know. But to understand the life then of what was going on and how they lived, that is quite a possibility. Quite a possibility. It's all together that John Mark had just had enough of being treated as a juvenile. How many of you here today can relate to that? It would probably be each and every one of the young people that are here today. I'm talking to you with this, but this actually hits home for each and every one of us. Young people, you have the right to feel this way, the same way that John Mark may have. Young people can read it when they're being used. They can read it when they're being put down, talked down to. They can sense it when they're not being truly trusted simply because of their youth. And even when they may have all the right skills and all the right mindset, all the right upbringing and everything of what could be given to them in order to bring them to the place that they need to be to be successful in the elders' minds, they're never going to be ready to let them perform on their own. They're just not ready. Some of us, sad to say, are doing it to the young people all the time. We need to be able to learn from that. If you feel this way, there's hope. There's godly advice that can make the difference. Young people, I'm talking to everybody. Young people, the Bible tells us, let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. This is the advice given from the Bible in 1 Timothy 4.12 that is given to the young people. I'm not going to put a name or a number on where young people stops and the rest go on. Because I'm not getting beat up after the service. But the Bible says, let no one despise your youth. Only John Mark knew the real reason why he left the mission field. John Mark's name appears again in Acts 15, where Paul and Barnabas are planning another missionary journey. Acts 15, starting in verse 36, starts to tell this part of the story. Here's where it starts to get really, really good. You see the truth come out into the hearts of people. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of God, the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting 
that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. A separation in ministry partners that had been together for years, crying out and bringing the, the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, had to split because there's a sharp disagreement upon whether Mark was worthy of being taken on the next missions trip. I would love to hear Mark's attitude in his heart over this whole thing. But the only thing when I look at this that I could see and that I could feel, I could tell you this. Strong words spoken here. Deserter is Paul's words for Mark. An argument pursues between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark is worthy to join them in this mission trip, and a disagreement so strong divides the two. Mark, where Paul saw the former failure was where Barnabas saw value in John. Quite a different contrast. Quite different statements. Quite different feelings. Everything that's going on. Can you imagine watching all of this unfold and looking at it and John Mark maybe standing there beside them while the two of them are hammering out Am I going or am I not going? They're saying that they don't want me to go. And am I not worthy enough to go? I mean, yeah, I might have made a mistake. But man, I love the Lord and I want to serve. And now, man, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to go on this missions trip or not. Insecurity, I believe, was probably setting in. Insecurity is always, almost always an issue for young people. And again, where that line of young people starts and stops, I leave that open. Insecurity. If you don't feel secure, if you don't, if you have not been able to make up your own mind about who you are, about what you believe, and where, you're in, where you encounter, when you encounter difficult times, you will not be able to stand by the values that you've already gained. Insecurity can ruin people can destroy young people from feeling and having self-worth and value, that they are treasured, that they are looked upon, and that they are good, that they are useful, that they are worthy. Ask yourself, do you believe in yourself? This is for everybody. Not just the young people, but young people, you're here tonight, and I want you to, I want you to feel this. I want you to truly ask yourself, do you believe in yourself? Do you have confidence for the task in which God has given you to do personally? Nobody else can do what you're called to do. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. I believe that John Mark was somebody that had to believe in himself or Barnabas wouldn't have saw the worth and said, come with me. And he did. Throughout life, there will always be somebody who will seem to put you down. Somebody who will doubt you. There will always seem to be a challenge 
that people, that man may set before you. And how you come out on the other side of it is going to be by where you stand and what you've learned and how secure you are with yourself. Amen? Throughout life, there are always these things will happen. But young men and women, when you believe God has given you a gift, let no one take it away from you. If you believe that God has gifted you and called you, let no one, however mean, however ugly, however forceful, don't let anybody ever tell you that you're not worthy or that you can't do it. Believe in yourself, hold fast to the promises of God, continue walking with God, and never let anyone strip you of your Christian dignity. God promises us that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And we have to hold on to that promise no matter how young, how old we are, no matter when we're put down, no matter when we're lifted up, no matter if someone says that we're worthy, whether if someone says, no, he's not worthy or she's not worthy, or I can't use her. She's got different colored hair. He's got different colored hair. Hair doesn't define the heart. God sees the soul. God sees the heart of people. He doesn't look on the outward. He looks on the inward. God will find worth and value in each and every one of us. And we should stop looking on the outside of people and start looking on the inside as well so that we can say there's value. When we do anything else but that, we are tearing down, we are destroying, we are mentally corrupting children. Adults the same. By telling them, can't have you. Conquer any fears that you may have. Conquer any doubts or they will conquer you. Walking with God every step of our lives with Christ can turn failure into success and defeat into victory. From being a failure to being fruitful. That's what our life should be described as. And I pray that when I leave this earth, I have that signature. Yeah, I was a failure. But God lifted me out of the mire found worth in me, found value in me, and used me when everyone else said, nope, not him. I would have said, nope, not him to, me, to myself. But God changed me and brought me to somewhere where I never dreamed that I would be, only by his grace, his mercy, his sacrifice, by his love, are we able to do the things in which he calls us to do, to be different from the world, to stand out, to stand apart, and to be able to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have to stand on the principles and the foundations of what even Paul and Barnabas were out preaching and teaching in a world and said, Mark, come with us. And now we have Barnabas saying, I'll take him. If you won't take him, I'll take him. I see value in him. Here's the good news. It may not sound like it, but there's going to be good news. It came time to go off on another missionary journey, and Paul asked John, uh, and asked Paul to take John again, but Paul wasn't having it. 
Paul, in what we could read as anger, was not interested in signing up deserters. That's exactly the way that he put it. The good news, John Mark's cousin Barnabas must have seen something more in John Mark. Barnabas believed in him and took him. And they went. Barnabas and his new partner, the one who was seen as a failure. How can you say this? Skip with me. Some 10 or 12 years down to the time when Paul's now found himself in prison, scribbling off letters to the churches. There may not seem to be anything else significant about Mark in the New Testament, but what there is in four other places of Scripture is quite significant. Years have gone by. Barnabas and Mark took off into the ministry together. Paul and Silas took off, went into the ministry together. Failure for John Mark, failure for this deserter in the mind of Paul is not forgotten. Paul's heart had been changed through the years concerning John Mark, and here's what Paul now, up in age, has to say about John Mark. The writings to the Colossian church say this, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, if he comes to you, welcome him. Seems to be quite positive now, doesn't it? Welcome him. A little deeper. Paul now is a prisoner in his time and is writing to his friend Philemon. Ends the letter with this. Greetings to you from Mark, my fellow worker. Amen? You see the heart change? You see what's happening here with this? Things are still changing. Mark is now accepted by Paul as a fellow worker, an equal, a brother, a soldier in Christ. And then best of all, Paul, near the end of his life, knowing that death can't be far off. In his second letter to Timothy, Paul says of himself, he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. In other words, I don't have much time left, but Timothy, come and visit with me. I have almost no one here with me. Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is now useful to me in the ministry. What a change in heart from someone that, out of hatred, split from his former partner, said, he's a deserter, I don't want to have anything to do with him, is now saying, he's useful to me in the ministry. John Mark, now respected by Paul, admired, appreciated, valued by Paul, Obviously, John Mark was a young man who was walking with God and has proven himself before not only Barnabas and not only Paul, but also to the rest of the world by going out and preaching the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and come to being the one that wrote one of four Gospels of what we have, of everything contained in it, but he still never spoke of himself because the Gospel message wasn't about self. It was about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. John Mark's life story is one of overcoming, prevailing, from failure to fruitful. 
someone who was walking with God. Somehow through all of this, when I'm putting all of this together and, and looking forward to bringing it here, it, it, it just I can hear the words screaming out time and time again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I would love to know John Mark's heart. I would love to know maybe even the reason why he left. But at the end of the story of everything of what we know, it's not important. The important thing is that Paul had a change of heart. And Paul found worth and value in John Mark. Maybe you can identify with John Mark. Maybe it's that people just don't really get you. They don't understand who you are. Why you may have chosen to do or not do certain things in life. I say this, young people, and wherever you want to put that border, you put it. Keep your head up. Continue to walk with God. And one day you just might hear the Lord say, not man. Instead of get Mark, fill in the blank. Put your name in there. He is valuable to me. She is important to me. He is worthy. She is useful to me in the ministry. And when we're obedient, obedience has its rewards. Because when life is over for us, what's our closing statement going to be on life? We could only pray that we have what John Mark has where people... Are, are, are praising him where Paul, who hated him almost, it seemed like, was now praising him for who he had become through the years. Maybe we can finish off this life by hearing those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Walking with God. It will define who we are. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. There's nothing there. There's air and opportunity. There's the love of God for each and every one of us. We have to simply find it. We have to listen to it, hear God's call, and obey it. Obedience has its rewards when we see all of this here and all of this. What God did for John Mark, He can do for you, and He can do for me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we just bow before you humbly as we possibly can. We can only give thanks for what you've done, what you're doing, and Lord, what you're going to do for us in life. Let our hearts ring out the same words, knowing that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let us be bold in our witness. Let us stand strong in the faith that you've given to us through the gospel message. Let us be people of hope and of love of peace, bringing a message of salvation to a lost and a dying world. Help us, Father, to make a difference to those that are around us, to encourage them and to lift them up, not to beat them down, not to talk down to them, but to find worth in everyone and to love them unconditionally, no matter who they are, where they come from, what they look like or what they've done. Because, Lord, we know that you see worth in them and Father, we pray that each and every one of us will do the same. Father, Lord, as we humbly just are still bowed before you, some of us might have choices that we need to make.
decisions in our life of which way to go, to the right or to the left. Some of us might be here today and are looking and searching about what salvation is and do I need it or not. Maybe decisions about who we are in Christ and what we need to do. Maybe we've been struggling with that and need to find a place to serve, to listen to your call for you to open the eyes of our hearts and to tell us what it is that you would have us to do. I could only ask for all of that to be fulfilled during this invitational time. And Lord, it can only be done through the power of your Holy Spirit speaking strongly to us. So I pray that that happens in this moment. In Jesus' name, and the church says together, amen. Let's stand together. Thank mm-hmm. you.